You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. by Hibbs only as far as Oda left foot shot goal it's Yutaro Oda with a left foot drilled effort into the bottom right corner hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club Many people can adapt in their lives, be that footballers, singers, or ordinary folks like you and me. Usain Bolt tried to become a footballer, going on trial at Central Coast Mariners. Harry Styles added acting to his singing resume, making his big screen debut in Dunkirk. Paolo Maldini once tried to become a professional tennis player. Michael Jordan moved from basketball to baseball for a season in 1994. And now... Ryan McGowan wants to leave his defensive duties behind and become a striker. I'm Laurie Dunsour, and this week, to discuss that topic, we'll be joined by Craig Levine. No, only joking. It's Mark Donaldson. Don't you dare come to me first when we have got Ryan McGowan. He has to be your first port of call. So don't come to me. I'll come to me whenever well, you want. I always come to you first. first. You were, you were here care. first. I, exactly, but we have royalty. We have football Age before and royalty beauty on the that. show. He's a handsome bugger, and having having exhausted every other single football podcast in Scotland, he's back to where he still exists as part of a graphic in the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter page. Don't come to me, come to Ryan McGowan first. Ryan McGowan, who, who um, the prolific Ryan McGowan scored his fourth goal in as many years, and now apparently he only comes on the podcast when he scores goals, so that's why that's why we get him just once or twice a year. I didn't want to bring it up. I honestly didn't want to bring up that I've scored. Yeah, you did. Ten, but I'm ca- usually I'm we have to pest you to come on, and you say, and you still say no. Right. This week you no were like, excuses. "Yep, yep." What time? Any day, no problem. Any time. Yep. How how much yeah. were you shitting yourself when that went to VAR to check whether or not the goal should stand? I was just thinking, yeah, they're gonna cancel, it and then you two will have such a good laugh about it. That's honestly what was going through my head. Was that? I'd get back into the change rooms afterwards and Laurie would have messaged the chat being like, ha ha. Like the Sydney goal <laughs> where you celebrated and pointed to the camera and everything and then... Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. This one counted yeah, though. It big, did big count. It took ages. It took, like, honestly, it probably would have been about a good four or five minutes to make the decision. Because I think at first they were trying to work out if Considine was interfering with the goalie then if he touched it and then if he was offside it was it honestly took about i would say close to four and a half minutes to get a get a decision but um it probably like killed us a little bit as well because it was uh, like we scored early on 
there was like a little bit of a good atmosphere and then it just kind of like because it was that amount of time like Motherwell went over and we were like obviously speaking to the manager and just kind of like killed that kind of vibe of scoring yeah, early. Yeah, the momentum you get after yeah, it's just the buzz like, from the goal. Did you celebrate twice? Really, I did think about it, but everybody was standing back in their positions. <laughs> well, you did I you did like, the, I, did really back to say, I know it was against <laughs> us and I know that he was a bit of a pest, but I kind of did find it amusing a bit when Morelos actually not only celebrated twice, but did like a full knee slide for the second one as well, didn't he not? Thank Castle. <laughs> Like a full second celebration. Anyway, we, um, you know, good things come to those uh, who wait, including um, we do have Scott McIntosh with us, who's just patiently waiting. How how are you, Scott? Did you did you celebrate Ryan McGowan's goal twice? Uh, no, no, certainly not. Did you uh, can't see a celebrating at once either. Uh, but I'm, I'm oh, quite happy for him to come on and get all this time to talk about the goal. So I was quite happy to just remain patient and let him mm. have his moment. More importantly, well, Scott, how did you how did you vote? I'm sorry, uh, So Ryan actually got spot on. I did say no. So just for those who are tuning in and have no idea what I'm talking about, so so Ryan genuinely has been trying to um to, to sell this idea that he could play up front and if he was given a season. Playing as a striker, he would score 10-plus goals. Uh, I wasn't having it, so I decided yeah, to, to... I have to play every minute of every game. I, I mean, but you don't play every minute of every game in defence, so I feel, feel like that's slightly unfair. But anyway, I put this to Twitter and said, look, would you back Ryan McGowan if he played in attack to score 10-plus goals, or is he dreaming? There's no chance. And uh, apparently 56.5% of... <laughs> People who voted are absolutely insane because because I know how much Ryan that would have annoyed you. Every time you got a notification and you looked and it was a yes, he would score <laughs> 10 plus, uh, you would have just been so angry. Did you know, so All this proves is that Ryan McEwen is more popular than me, and that's fair enough. I, I can, I, I perfectly, right, there's a lot of that. clever people out there, there's a lot, a lot of clever footballing people that are like, you know what. He's got a little bit of something around the box. Well, Lawrence Brody also came in and said, um, I also think Craig Halkett would score 15-plus if he was up front. So that's why I said, well, next season we'll just sign McGowan and we'll play Sel Shankland and play Ryan McGowan and Craig Halkett up front. Do you there think John McGlynn's just got, like, thousands <laughs> of default Twitter accounts and he was just voting <laughs> on it? Like, I think that's what it was. Just To be fair, like, Grant Haddon did reply, say, uh, did McGlynn not want to play him as a number 10 at one point? Yeah. And, um, yes, and Matthew well, Harrelson, John, Ma John McGlynn was right. The only time I wore a number 10 shirt for Hearts got an assist. Rafe Rovers away. Yep. John Patterson scored that game. It was the first time he played for the senior team, I think, kind of friendly. Yep. Set up temps, nice little through ball. Just starting to get into my rhythm, you know. Just starting to feel that. Do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to have those games where, you know, when like tens and strikers and, and fans go, mm, yeah, it's just he wasn't quite on it. You know, he didn't really fancy it. Like, how much of a luxury is that to be able to like a player <laughs> to be able to say that? Like, imagine ever saying that about like a fullback or a centre back, just being like, nah. Just looked like he didn't really fancy it today. We'll, we'll see if he we'll see if he tries again next week. Like that's what tens and strikers get away with. Yeah, he just he just didn't really look up for yeah. it today. Miss five chances and score one, and you're still the hero. Yeah, you miss yeah. you miss miss five through balls. Um, 
they score five, but you get the next one, you're not still going to be the hero. Yeah, it's just it's hard to well, be a defender. Uh, it's, it's hard so, laugh. Here's here's one right off the bat for homework. We've not done much homework recently. So, oh. Hearts players that you think could have adapted to a completely different position. Now, let's not do a Kevin McKenna because he actually did. But so, and let's not do something boring like oh, he could have played left wing or right wing. But something like like McGowan's talking about, he could play up front. So like a defender playing it as a, a striker or a striker playing as a defender, I've got one. a I've goalkeeper. Got one. Joe Pereira, because he wasn't a fucking goalkeeper. He's been, <laughs> that's going back to my early examples of just trying a different sport or something, see if he's better at yes. a different one. <laughs> Henry Smith never, honestly, keep him well away from outfield. After that penalty at Dens, it still haunts us. Well, was that hips keeper, wasn't there, that actually turned to basketball? Was it Gutskowskin, the Icelandic yes. guy? Yeah, he, he actually ended basketball. up playing, and then uh-huh. he became a full-time burglar. And, and full-time burglar? <laughs> full-time, I, a full-time burglar? Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Let's let's keep it. We've definitely done the cross-sport thing before, I think. Um, but just a, a player you could think of who played for Hearts, um, who you think actually he could have done a job in a completely different position. Still in football, and yeah, the 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 wilder the better, I would say. So yeah, there you Kevin go. Hastings. That's I've got one of of it, but he kind of did it. Uh, Craig Beatty. I'm sure when he went to air, he played centre back. Played centre back later on. He did. Yeah. Big burly centre back. But he was a um, burly striker. He was like defensive set pieces. He was unbelievable. Big meathead would just go and header everything. I used to meathead. love it. Isn't Gary also- Parker, Gary Parker played played for rugby as well as played for Hearts. You get yes. cross cross sport. I said no. we're not, we're not, not doing listening that. to you. Listen listening to the rules here. No, right, okay. Um, so yeah, we got right on. So a, a draw for St Johnston in the end at the weekend. That's what last three league games in a row, and a big game coming up against Ross County. Uh, at Dingwall at the weekend so I'm kind of going to merge two things here I'm going to merge catching up with you also asking about Jan Danda you'll be hoping that maybe Hearts yes. can make a pre-contract a permanent deal before before Saturday although I'm, I'm not quite sure if it'll happen yes that would be super handy um, from our perspective because he is a very good player um, I think we've said that on the podcast before and I think if anyone that's seen him play knows not only how important he is to how Ross County plays, but he just carries that goal and, and being able to sort of change a game by himself. So it would be super handy for us if he could um, make his way down to Edinburgh Friday. Even Saturday morning would be great just to put a proper spanner in their works. But um, yeah, it's a it's a big game for us. We had a, felt like we should have beaten Aberdeen on Wednesday night. We played quite well in that game um, and then we were yeah we were a little bit disappointed with how we probably performed against Motherwell at home but um, yeah a points probably I think that's three times we've played them in three draws we're kind of just one of those teams that we're very even when we seem to play against each other in terms of like how we match up and and our strengths and their weaknesses type thing so yeah all in all it wasn't a horrendous result but you know, when you're playing those teams in and around you at home, you're probably looking for three points, and that's probably why we're a little bit disappointed in in how we ended up 
playing the whole game. By the way, I know it's a Hearts podcast. However, you were the one that headed the ball towards goal um, in the Aberdeen game mm. when they got that. Honestly, were you aware at the time that there was even a collision and a, a challenge being made that ended up seeing the St. Johnson goal disallowed? No, it's just, it's getting to that point now. Probably everyone that's listening understands it. Once you've celebrated the goal and then you see the ref thinking about it, you start to think this could be anything. It could be like, you know, something that's happened 30 seconds before. It could be a tiny offside. It could be, there's like so many reasons. I initially thought maybe offside because like you said, I, I kind of headed it back into an area and I didn't know if someone there was offside. But then it wasn't until after the get. Well, then Beaton gave it a free kick and he, like we asked, you know, what that is. He's like, oh, 100% free kick, free kick. But once you see it back, it'll be a free kick, free kick. And so you have to kind of take, you, you, like as a player, you think, right, well, somebody's thought it's a free kick. He's then went over to the monitor. He's thought it was a free kick. So like he ended up just being like, well, yeah, it must have been a free kick. So, um, but I wasn't sure where the free kick had happened. I didn't think it was Liam Gordon and the, the sort of, because he kind of like slashes his clearance out. I didn't feel that, Gordon affected him that much but then yeah after the game it's it's probably just a little bit more frustrating if it's a if it's one of those ones where it's like oh yeah what's he doing like that's a proper stupid thing to do but I just think we've gone down a real dangerous road of you know chalking off goals for sort of little things that you know a lot of refs now are feeling under pressure when they have to go to the monitor of, of sticking to their decisions because I don't think you very rarely see a, a ref now going to a, to the monitor and, and changing his decisions because I think like that they get scored down or marked down, I guess, if they go against it because you know there's obviously two or three people in the VAR room who feel like he needs to have a look at that and he's made a glaring mistake. So, yeah, yeah. I've never really been a huge fan for, for VAR and yeah, probably Wednesday. <laughs> I wasn't their biggest fan either. I think player reaction tells a lot and we won't, we won't talk about it right this moment. We will get to the Hearts game. But certainly when there's the, the VAR moment in the first half of the Hearts game, one thing that we were immediately drawn to was the fact that the Hearts players were, you know, were fuming. They were adamant. There was a foul, but when you see your the St Johnston goal against Aberdeen, there was no real complaints. It was you know, it wasn't really any. Didn't look well from the clip I saw anyway. Yeah. Didn't see any Aberdeen players running to the referee or or complaining like that much. Thing, right? so I'm pretty. The boy doesn't even go down. So like, sometimes when it gets paused and it gets you know stopped at that key moment, it might look like you know a nasty challenge or you know, the ankle twists or, you know, there's loads of different things that they can zoom in and do it. But like you said, he didn't go down holding his leg. Also, when you're playing, you can sometimes like hear the clash of, you know, shin pads or the like there was kind of none of that, which made me think uh, initially, I honestly thought it was offside because like you said, there's a lot of times the boys are like, that's a foul or he pushed him or he was pulling my shirt. You know, you hear that, but nobody kind of knew what, where the foul had happened or like the other thing I always think like is that enough of a foul to have chalk off a goal you know as a defender like it, it does annoy me but you know people come to pay to watch 
you know, players score goals. And, you know, it was like a great strike from Kerry to, to even get in. For that to be chalked off because, you know, Gordon, I think he does touch the boy, but, like, is that enough to make it a foul? I'm not so sure. So I think that's probably the issue. You know, when you slow it right down, there'll be no doubt that Gordon's maybe touched him, but is that touch enough for it to, you know, be classed as a foul? And if it is, then, oh, in a couple of years' time, there's just going to be penalties or free kicks or red cards for, for so, so, much, so many things now. Possibly. But um, I am aware Mark did... Um, start this line of chat by saying this isn't a Johnson podcast, it's a Hearts podcast. So I, I, we, won't, we won't talk too much, albeit it was a very poor decision. We won't talk too much more about that one, though. We've, we've got other decisions to get to. Um, just on the other things I'm talking about there, I don't know how you feel about the Yandanda deal. Scott um, signed a pre-contract with Hearts that has just been confirmed today at the time of recording. He's worn the captain's armband for counting the last few matches. We've, we've, we've done more of a a deep analysis in previous podcasts about him. I guess the question now is how much would Hearts want or need to sign him before the end of the transfer window? Because obviously County are going to want a fee, a decent fee, because he's important to them to try and keep keep themselves in the Premiership. At this point, do you think Hearts would push the boat out or is it just one that they can afford to wait for at this at this juncture? Yeah, I, I think County's desire to keep him will supersede our desire to get him in five, six months earlier. I think especially if we can get the Fraser deal over the line. Uh, I'd love to see him come a little bit earlier because I do think he offers us something that we're, we're lacking in that midfield. I think when you, you think back to the Dundee game last week and the sort of midfield three that we started with, we definitely need someone who's going to be a bit braver on the ball, maybe play some more sort of progressive passes. And he certainly does sort of fit that bill. Uh, but ultimately, you know, happy to see him come in, even if it's not till the summer. And it's hopefully, you know, this along with the talkie pen rice is hopefully a sign that the profile of the player that we're looking at just now is, is slightly changed from the, the two previous summers. And we're maybe starting to, you know, look a little bit closer to home in, in terms of bringing in players to try and, uh, you know, strengthen the overall squad. Yeah, you mentioned James Penrice. He's the other one who, at the time of recording, as it's been talked about, the Hearts are interested in potentially doing a deal for the Livy left-back. He's someone I've seen a few times play for Livy. He's always struck me as someone who does get up and down the, the side of the pitch very well. He can play in midfield. He's 25 at this end, at this um at this point, decent engine on him. Um, I, I try to think I've seen a lot of them on the back foot. I feel like I've watched a lot of them going forward is what stuck out for me. I don't know, Ryan, you've played against him at least a couple of times now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's good. Definitely one of the Livy's better players. Adds a lot of energy. He's got very good final ball. Well, anytime he seems to play against us, he always seems to put in... Um, <laughs> Good deliveries, and I think he's. I think it was last season. I think he even scored a, a double against us. I'm sure. Yeah, um, he definitely scored. I remember that at McDermott Park. Yeah, two yeah, that four two, two yeah. four two defeat you guys had against. Um, him. thanks for bringing that up. Um, so you, well, yeah, he was, you brought it up actually. Yeah. I think not. Did, I think I went off injured. That's when I did my groin. I'm sure. Scott <laughs> will tell me. Who know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, he, he's definitely 
like what Mark said, I think if you can sometimes scout the sort of players that, again, you, you nullify that, you know, the breaking in type of months, you know, of like, does he know the league? You're having to go to tricky places. You know, these types of players that you sign, they also know that Hearts is a big club and it's a big step step up. So they, they have that little bit of like, you know, I really want to be here and they're not the one, you know, the younger boys that come and, on loan or signing from big clubs in England and then coming up here and being a bit like, what's this all about? Like, where is Ross County or, you know, where's Dundee? What kind of game is that going to be? What kind of game is it going to be against St. Johnson? These players have already played there. They already know what it's going to be like. They, you know, have a, but then we'll be thinking every second week I'm going to be playing at Tynecastle. Like what a good place that is to play my football. And I, I just, I'm a big fan of signing sort of the better players from within the league and making that team stronger. And, um, you know, even years gone by, remember Aberdeen used to do it a fair bit. They used to sign, you know, good players that have, you know, maybe broken through at, at the smaller clubs and they'd bring them up to, to Aberdeen and that done well. And yeah, you know, they're definitely the kind of signings that I think are, I get more excited about than maybe a sort of unknown from, a big club in down south or a sort of foreign player that that's come over with, that you know has the good youtube highlights but maybe make will take a lot longer to sort of settle to the league yeah i'm looking at st johnson two livingston four so um you went off it was three nil to livingston at that point um st johnson then won the rest of the game two one <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that uh, you're a dick uh, should we um should we crack on? I feel like this has been a very long opening <laughs> to the podcast. Um, oh, I, I was just thinking of that game. I'm, I think I was like, I'm pretty sure we're getting scudded two or three nil at half time. Tight, tight changed. Tight changed when yeah. you went off. Yeah. Anyway, um, you're such right. a dick. Really yeah, are. well, I've got, I've got catching up to do, don't I? Right. Okay, we're going to talk about Hearts against Aberdeen and we'll look ahead to, to Dundee against Hearts as well if we've got any time for that, who knows okay. Right, Heart of Midlothian against Aberdeen at Tynecastle we'll have a quick listen back to the action from this one now So 10 minutes into the second half and it looks like Lawrence Shanklin after 3 penalty misses in a row that was following 15, he'd scored out of 15 for Hearts has given this one to George Grant. One goal this season for Grant. That was in the League Cup against Kilmarnock. Up against the imposing figure in the Aberdeen goal. Six foot five, Killer Rose. And this delay will just add the pressure on to George Grant's shoulders. So 12 yards out in front of the Gorgie end. The Englishman Grant up against the big Dutch stopper, Ross. Grant steps up, scores! Well taken penalty, high into the right side of the goal. And Hearts have the lead 11 minutes into the second half, second of the season for George Grant. Coolly done, composed from the penalty spot. Hearts of Midlothian 1, Aberdeen 0. Challenged by Shinney, breaks back to Cochrane. Grant on the turn, Shanklin takes over. Outside the right foot. Oh! It's a lovely goal 
from Lotta Checkland! Wonderful finish from the Hearts number nine, almost nonchalant the way he opened up his right foot and just picked out the top left corner. 19 for the season for the Hearts captain. Beautiful finish from the Sitch Premiership top scorer. And he has quite a game sometimes, Jimmy, but he can still pop up with moments of brilliance like that. 2-0 Hearts. Okay, so the men in maroon at home to the Dons. Uh, 20 matches without an away winner between these sides ahead of this one. Hearts having won four in a row at home to Aberdeen, scoring 11 and conceding one in that time. Um, unbeaten in seven as well coming into this. Aberdeen, though, only lost two in the last eight in all competitions, despite that little bit of pressure mounting on Barry Robson. And Hearts making three changes in terms of personnel. Halkett, Denham and Vargas dropping out. Oda, Grant and Forrest coming in and starting with a 4-2-3-1 shape, which is how they started the second half against Dundee. That's who it was. Mark, pleased to see us adjust the shape from the start? Surprised? Um, I was pleased to, to see the 4-2-3-1. I wasn't convinced if we played that who would be left out. Um, thought it might be Cochrane with Kingsley going to left back, but it was it was Halkett. So yeah, I was I was I was pretty pleased. It, it had a good decent of balance. You just look at it on paper, everyone's kind of where they where they probably would want to play. Um decent enough looking width. George Grant playing as a 10, Shanklin through the middle, Neuenhoff and Beningamy as the holders. Yeah, pr- pretty pleased with um with that. Um but Again, we've we've seen games or we've seen team sheets and thought, oh no, and we've gone on to win comfortably. And we've seen it and thought, that looks good, <laughs> and we've been pumped. So yeah, it was, it was all right. Yeah, so so it's Clark and goes, Lembekisa right, Cochrane left. A central defensive pairing of Kent and Kingsley, the first time they've been paired together in a in a back four, uh, certainly from the start anyway. Uh, Beningame and Ewenhoff, the sitters, Oda and Forrest providing the width either side of George Grant, the number 10, and the captain, Lawrence Shankland. Uh, Scott, we've we've had kind of criticisms of how Hearts have started games and how they've played in first halves, and lots of people said it's about the shape and we need to stop being reactive and change that shape. So Stephen Naismith changed the shape. Um, it's maybe more than just the shape because we, we didn't get that kind of positive start to the game, did we? No, although I, f- I think to be fair, Aberdeen are a very they're a very difficult team to sort of try and second guess because we've seen from the, the two previous matches we've had with them this season that their you know previous game at Tynecastle they were very direct, they were very back to front, they were criticised quite heavily for that. We then play them at Pitodre, they were quite passive in the first half, but then again they went to that sort of back to front mentality second half and it ultimately won them the game. So I think it was always going to be hard to try and second guess what sort of style they were going to play with. Uh, I think selection-wise, they pretty much went with uh, 10 of the 11 that started against uh, Ryan and St. Johnston last week. So they had The only the change was enforced as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they had their 4-2-3-1, but I think the, the difference between theirs and ours, which was quite evident in the first half, was that McGrath and Polvara are more central. 
So they've got a very sort of narrow midfield free playing behind the front man. And I think that's what ultimately contributed to some of our challenges in the first half. They pressed the game well and it was really hard for us to get any sort of rhythm. And also it was a, a difficult game for Benny and Neuenhoff because they just felt like they were being very much overrun in the midfield, unfortunately. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought Aberdeen were good in the first half, actually. You know, maybe not creating a, a heap of chances, but they were certainly on top. Uh, summed up, I was uh, reading the Heart Standard. I think Joel Sked said um, the opening 30 minutes, Aberdeen had seven shots. Hearts just the one. Can't always read a whole lot into that, but certainly Aberdeen were the more threatening of the two teams. And they were just, yeah, they, they were certainly better off the ball, especially, I thought. And I think midfield was a big one. You know, Shinny was... Shinny at his best in that first half. I thought he seemed to be dominating and Beningame and Neuenhoff were well off the pace. That would change drastically in the second half and maybe helped by Graham Shinny getting that yellow card, I think, just after the half hour mark as well. The big thing we'll talk about in the first half, though, is the the goal that would not be a goal. And Ryan, this might be for, for you a bit of uh, the old evening things out from an Aberdeen perspective because there's a ball down the right uh, Connor Barron goes after it. Benny Beningame, I think I described it in commentary, he takes a tumble. Was, well, as, as it was falling the ball, it looked like he'd kind of fallen over in the build-up. Um, and the ball's played into Miofsky, who plays a lovely curling shot into the top left corner past Sander Clark. And Aberdeen celebrate. They believe it's a goal, but there is that initial reaction. I did say that you could see straight away the Hearts players weren't happy and they wanted the referee to, to make sure it was reviewed. And indeed, when you see the review, you see uh, as Ben Beningame is running to try and get into the corner to to close down corner Baron, uh, Boyan Miofsky does just run across him from the back. And it's unclear from our replay if he's clipped him. But if he has, then I think we said, then it's it's going to be disallowed. And indeed it was. What, what did you think seeing the replay of this one, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's probably more obvious one than the one that we got chalked off. Mainly because it drastically affects what happens because at the time when the ball goes wide, hearts are actually in a, although they're you know scrambling and, and going to get back, they're basically a 2v2. Whereas when this sort of trip happens, it then becomes a 2v1. So it changes the whole, like that's probably why the hearts players were so up in arms is because as before he gets tripped, if you're a center back, if you're, you know, Kent, for example, in the middle of the box, you're thinking, okay, that's a 2v2, we can deal with it. As soon as Benigami goes down, then you're proper scrambling because now you're like, there's a 2v1 in the outside area. They've got the ball into the box. Everybody's having to shift. There's going to be free players everywhere. So, yeah, it, it's one of those ones where refs have also been told to let things go, you know, because they might have been unsure you know I've, you've seen it plenty of times in years gone by if that kind of happens the referee just blows for a free kick but because now of VAR they're letting it go and waiting to see what the outcome is but um yeah initially when I first saw it I was like that is probably going to get called back for if it's an intentional foul for sure or if it's because it does kind of look like he's run into him more than he's not trying to avoid him so, yeah, I, I was pretty sure once I'd seen it, I was like, yeah, that's got to, definitely going to get called back for a VAR and chalked off. But you can yeah, understand at the same time why Aberdeen are a little bit annoyed by that fact, I guess. 
Yeah, I think for me it's it's the right call when you see it. I mean, it, we couldn't see on our little screen if there was contact, but as, you know, as soon as he, he he has been clipped, and obviously that's what they could go and check at the screen. Then for me, it's a foul. I didn't actually think it was intentional. I think I think it's still a foul because he still prevented the Hearts player from getting into defensive position. The interesting thing, Gary Whale said it at halftime when we were chatting about it after the game, and I I still didn't agree with him on it, but he said he felt it was deliberate, and he said it's something that. As a player, he said he would do sometimes. He would just not not make a movement necessarily to to go and clip someone. Just make sure that you did cut across their path and maybe took that player out and didn't close someone down. Obviously, in in Gary's day, there wouldn't have been VAR, so you, you would get away with these things maybe. But you think it's something you you would do, Ryan, or you've seen players do just slyly, yeah. just make sure that they they do 100%. just have a little nick on someone, take them out. Yeah, you do it all the time, even. I'm pretty sure I did it at Aberdeen when we played him on the Wednesday night. I think he, because he's quite good at, you know, coming short, you know, laying the ball off and spinning and running in behind. So I knew he was going to do it. So we just, you know, when you like kind of try and clash into each other and make it out that it was just a coming together and you both fall to the ground. But you know exactly what you're doing. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he would have had a rough idea when Benigami was coming across. Because sometimes you see the players... You know, when they like check and they, they almost stop themselves and let the other player run across, you know, he probably had enough time to maybe have done that. But he's, yeah, like that. He's probably thinking, if I give him a little nudge here and he stumbles or if even if it slows him down a couple of seconds, I might be in here. So, yeah, it's just the way the game is. He'd love to be playing back when Gary played and you could just wipe everyone out off the ball and <laughs> get away with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think it's your, your spot there, Ryan. It's it's the way it is. And I think I said that afterwards. It's the kind of the age that we live in, isn't it, Mark? I, mm-hmm. I can understand if if that goal is scored by Hearts, I'm frustrated oh, that yeah. we don't end up with a goal from it. But ultimately, it's the right decision if you've got the technology there to go and analyse and see if there's been a foul. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is that by the laws of the game, there doesn't have to be intent, regardless of whether there's intent or not. A foul can be a foul, whether it's intentional or whether it's not intentional. Just to, to kind of take it on a little bit from there, and and, and maybe it's just a, a coincidence, is that area of the park one of the easier ways to score against hearts right now? And the reason I ask is because Jordan McGee scored from a similar area and Boyan Miofsky scored as well. Now, of course, as you guys have just been rightly saying, Benny Beningame, Stephen Kingsley was there as well. He was the first to Kevin Clancy to complain. But if you're targeting an area to try and score against Hearts where you think they're at their weakest, would that be an area that you would target? Uh, what, what, in, what the, coming in from the right side to the edge of the box? Edge of the, the box, edge of the right-hand side. Yeah, because... We didn't get close enough to Jordan McGee. Um, obviously, there was a man down, but Miofsky still had that chance as well. I, I, I think it's probably just total coincidence, but I'm just wondering, having seen that, whether it's Scott, Laurie, or, or, or you, Ryan, is there a, if you're an opposition manager, are you targeting a certain area? And if so, is that an area that you're targeting to try and score against Hearts? Where do we need to be better defensively to stop that, or is it just a pure coincidence that both McGee and Miofsky have scored from a similar uh, a similar angle? If, if you're looking at it from... I've not seen Hearts play 
for full 90 minutes for a little while now. But if you're looking at it on paper, you would pinpoint, you could argue that Kingsley's out of position or that he's not played huge amounts of football as a left centre-back in a back four. So if you're looking at an area, if I was manager, I would be saying, let's target that side of the pitch. Also knowing that Cochrane's more advanced of the fullbacks, you'd be thinking that's probably where we'll have our best chance of, of getting to it. Because a lot of teams, near enough all teams, have it where when you're playing out from the back, you pref- the team prefers a side to go on. And the other side's job is to kind of tuck in and, and reverse. And, and with Hearts, it's, it seems to be down the left-hand side with Cochran with his you know, athletic ability and being able to get up and down the pitch. They tend to a lot of the positive stuff for Hearts is down that left side, which in turn then creates everybody has to kind of shuffle across and they leave areas of where Cochran's left, for example. So that is probably somewhere there that opposition teams are looking at it being like, if we can nullify... Cochrane, or if he does attack, we know that if they do lose the ball, can we get it into that area before he recovers in? Also knowing that Kingsley's maybe not as comfortable as a left centre-back in a back four than he is possibly left of a back three or left back or left wing back. So, yeah, it is probably an area when you're looking at them that it could be a weakness, but um, I also don't think there is that many weaknesses. Even a, a, a weakness is too strong of a word for it. It's probably just picking the, you know, the slightly less better option um, instead of going sort of maybe down Kent side, for example. Yeah, and I think one thing Scott and Orion's not got the benefit of, of obviously watching the the full game at the weekend. But I thought on the whole, actually, Kent and Kingsley played really well. I think in this one. Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, for me, they were the two who were pretty much solid throughout the whole game. You know, there was a lot of players who weren't overly involved in the first half and then came onto a game in the in the second half, but particularly sort of midfield to attack. But I would say Kent and Kingsley were the two that were, you know, keeping us sort of the glue that was keeping us together in the first half and that sort of continued well into the second half as well. Uh I think the, the the main issue in the first half was actually when the ball was going out wide. That tended tended to be where the pressure was coming from when the ball was going out to Cochrane and Lembekisa. Uh, whereas with the three five two, you tend to find that the pressure comes more or less on Kent in that sort of right sided role. So there was a few sort of differences to what we'd seen in previous weeks, but thankfully the the small tweaks we made at half time seemed to make a big difference. Okay, well. I'll- Bring us to half time. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, so we had the game of two halves against Dundee during the week, and although Hearts weren't um, quite as in quite as poor a position at halftime in this one, there were still a few um, a few boos ring out at Tynecastle after that first half display. We actually got an email. I'll, I'll very quickly touch upon this because I know I usually say if if we get an email, I do like to go to it. Um, we got an email from Gavin who said uh, this was before this game. To be fair, so this has been after the after the Dundee match. I think it would have 
thought about this one. He said, long time listener, first time caller. I've been thinking about writing to you for a while on this, but I feel now is the time. No one uh, can doubt what we as Hearts fans have done and continue to do for our club. Uh, but I felt for some time that the fans are extremely quick to get on the players' back. It's almost like if we're not two goals up after 20 minutes, the first square pass is met with a torrent of boos. I'm far from a happy clapper and everything is far from perfect, but surely um, reserve the boos for halftime and full-time, I, I suppose in this instance. The boos were at halftime against Aberdeen. It's, it's obvious that the effect the boos can have on players and it just compounds the issue. It also must be in players' minds when another club is in from them. Um, how can we expect them to show loyalty when we slate them on game day? Uh, there's no better ground than Tynecastle when it's rocking. And I have no doubt if this was the case from now until the end of the season, we'll be checking the Euro fixtures list by April. Cheers, guys. Gavin. So there's a message from Gavin and... Um, it was a it was a good day to be at Tynecastle. The sesquicentennial celebrations pre match, the lovely video that went out. But I guess it's something we've we've touched upon a few times, isn't it? That sometimes um, maybe the fans are a bit a bit quick to get on the players' backs, and I don't. It's maybe not the worst example. He's maybe talking more about the Dundee game, but it's a hard thing to change, isn't it? I think the Gorgi Ultras are are really good. It's a, it's a really good addition, but it's just the mentality, I think, and I think. You look at, I think Aberdeen fans at Pataudry, Hibs fans at Easter Road. There's so many are like just the same in that sense, aren't they? When you look at the last three Hearts home games, they were two 0 down to Ross County, having not scored in the first half. They were two 0 down at half time to Dundee, without having scored in the first half, and they were nil nil against Aberdeen at the half. That's not even a question you ask if Hearts get flying out the blocks. So we're now five games in a row where we haven't scored in the first half, yet we have won four and drawn the other of those five. And you spoke earlier about we've become a reactive team. I like the fact that we are reactive because we know how to find a way. I don't like the fact that we have to be reactive in those games. So it's like all the things that they work on, and I would imagine most of the stuff that's worked on, especially towards the end of a week, is to do with shape, from the start, with the opposition, but none of it has resulted in a first-half goal, for whatever reason. Yet, we have taken 13 out of 15 points. So how do we go from where we are to ensure that we have the fans on our back much earlier in games at Tynecastle? Because there have been a number of games at home this season where it hasn't been good enough in spells, yet we have found a way. So... This is this is all sorts. This is devil's advocate. This is um, both sides of the story. This is why do we start poorly? This is why do we finish so well? There's a lot of things you can you can have a look at here. But the key thing is, if Hearts can start quickly, you don't even need to ask that question about how do they get the fans on their side because early goals would do that. They just haven't had that for a while since the St Mirren game. No. But Ryan, you mentioned before St Johnston were, were last at Tynecastle that something that Craig Levine highlighted to try and get the Hearts fans on the back of the players because you knew what they were like and you know that that puts pressure on the home team. Yeah, um, and also from a you know having been on both sides of that, you know when you go to Tynecastle as an away team and it happens all over the world, the sort of first 45, 60 minutes, a lot of teams are like right at it defensively. 
you know, they're all in the right position. They're full of energy. You know, you've got what the manager said, fresh in your head, got no, you know, confidence issues as such. And it's, it's why big teams or better teams always score to, in the second half or towards the end of the game is because the other team, you start to lose focus, you start to lose shape, you start to get fatigued, you, you get tired, you're out of breath, people are moving everywhere. You then end up making more mistakes. The game becomes open and hearts have better players who can cause you problems and score goals. So there is two sides to the argument. Can hearts start quicker? Can they pass it? They need to be sharper on the ball. But the other side is you don't have to be 2 or 3-0 up. Everybody would love to be 3-0 up at halftime, of course. But I, I do think sometimes fans need to understand or realise the type of game that they're playing in terms of, you know, like St. Johnson come, very rarely would we get blown. <laughs> I was just saying that we've got, we're three nil down against Livingston, but very rarely a, a couple of goals down at half time. Boo! They get can, yeah, they can, they can, they can be frustrated at possibly how they played or or not doing it, but they also have to understand that if it does continue, then you know it is going to cause issues. But what you were touching on, which I hadn't realized or worked out, is maybe that the fans are starting to not realize a pattern as such, but. You know, it might be the fans saying, "Listen, like we don't, we're not accepting what happened in the first half. We wanted a reaction." You know, they, they might not be that against how the game had played out, but they're kind of just letting the players know, "Listen, like we can't play the second half like we've just played the first half. Otherwise, we're not going to win the game." And it, you know, it could be working in Hearts' favor because they'll be coming in at half time. You know, loads of times I've come in at half time at Tynecastle and got booed off, and before you got booed, you were thinking, actually, we've not played that badly, you know. But it does give you that little bit of, well, geez, yeah, we, we do need to up our standards a little bit in the second half, and we do need to make sure that, you know, we aren't happy with a nil-nil at halftime, with it. we want to go on and win two or three-nil. And, um, yeah, I just think there's that, there is that, that real fine balance of, you know, starting the game well, but then also knowing that, you know, come the second half, come as the subs come on and, you know, the bigger clubs tend to bring on players that are as of the similar quality and or not and maybe possibly better than the ones that are starting. That's probably when, you know, Hearts are going to have more chances and, and be able to go on and kick on and, and win the rest of the game. We'll get back to the second half because Hearts were much better in the second half against Aberdeen in this one. Uh, Scott, what, what was the big difference? We'll talk about the two goals in a moment, but what was what was the big difference for you in the Hearts' performance in the second half against Aberdeen compared to the first? I, I think there's there's really so much of a match that Aberdeen can press the way that they were pressing in the first half, so there was always going to be a little bit of a, a sort of drop-off at their end. Uh, I don't think it happened straight away. I think the first five, ten minutes of the second half was, was fairly... Uh, uneventful. It's probably the penalty kick that really sort of kickstarts our our performance in the second half. But I, I did sort of notice a a bit of a change of tempo in the Hearts team. I think that we were winning more second balls, so we weren't quite getting sucked into pressing the game, which is what we were doing first half. And Aberdeen were knocking the ball round about us. We were actually kind of allowing Aberdeen to have the ball in certain situations, and then when the game dictated that we were sort of get latching onto those second balls. We were also using Forrest and Cochrane more in the first half. I think we, we seemed quite intent on involving Lembekisa and Oda 
in the first half. Now, whether that's identifying McKenzie as maybe a weaker element of the back four than Nicky Devlin, that was that was possibly the, the thinking behind it. But you could see that there was an intent to get Forrest on the ball more in the second half, which ultimately, you know, was one of the, the contributors to the to the penalty that we won. Uh, there looked to me, Laurie, to be more of a direct play from Hearts, more of a, an up-tempo as well. I watched the second half this morning in full because I was commentating on Real Madrid Las Palmas on Saturday morning at the same time. So I was unable to pay much attention. And I wasn't really interested in watching the first half again. But I wanted to watch Ooh, Real Madrid. The second... <laughs> no, Las Palmas, Las Palmas. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got something to say. And, and I know I described you earlier as a dick, Laurie, which you, you, you are when it comes to Ryan. But I was very impressed by your commentary. I think you're a very good commentator. Oh, it's very kind of you to say thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. I think. But, but come on, we're in a we're in a world that there's there's so much shite bandied around. I think praise where praise due. Yeah, that, that's that's all I wanted to say. I just think I, I thought you 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 got you got the that's second half. It was it was very nice, but. I just thought we played with more of a tempo in the second half. We were more direct and and we got the ball to where we wanted to get it quicker than we did maybe in the first half. I just said, I, I, I caught bits of it. Um, where, how much of that was to do with the changes that, that were made? Um, I mean, Vargas coming on for Odas, you, you called it in commentary. It seemed a pretty obvious one. Um, I love the confidence of George Grant because you mentioned it in commentary. He, he had the ball in his hands. Before yeah. even knowing if if there was a penalty, and I, I thought it was really interesting his post game comments as well, saying that mm -hmm. he'd studied Kellerus, where he goes, where he dives, and that he'd taken penalties down in England. Jimmy said it as well. You said, "You, I don't know if there's a better penalty. That is the perfect penalty because even if it the keeper really dives, well taken. it it was fantastic, and to get the goal at that time. But even up before that point, I just felt that the tide was was turning. But after that goal, I mean, it wasn't 100 percent dominance, but they really needed that first goal to get anything from that game, and their heads went down after that. Yeah, I think the opening 30-35 minutes, Aberdeen were were clearly the better team, and I think the the last 35 minutes, Hearts were by far the better team. The big difference, I think, Hearts actually looked more threatening than Aberdeen, but it's a great finish. I mean, in terms of the penalty, it was a VAR check, but there's no real doubt about that one. I don't think Nicky Devlin putting his arm up to block the... Alan Forrest cross, but yeah, really good penalty from George Grant, and he said um, we spoke about it in the changing room before, that we then had a little chat on the pitch as well, obviously in reference to Shanklin, he scored so many penalties for us, but at that moment, it's not just happening for, for him so if I can take that pressure off him and and, and he gets his uh, goal anyway, and then um, they asked, had he, had he been in Shanklin's ear since Tuesday, obviously, when Shanklin missed again? And he said, no, I haven't. I think he said it would be selfish of, of him to take another penalty. It's about the team, and that just shows the type of character he is. So that was really good that he stepped up. And for me, I wanted, I was hoping it would be changed, I think, before we got a penalty in the game after three misses, I think. Shanklin may well go back on them, possibly, but I think after that, it'd be hard to, to take George Grant off them the way he finished in the top right corner. And Shanklin did have a quiet game, but it doesn't matter, does it, Scott? Because he can have a quiet game, and just like that, 13 minutes to go, the ball breaks at the edge of the box. He and George Grant are almost in each other's way, but almost nonchalant, is he? The way he just swings that right boot at it, and it's his, it's his, his new 
it's a new favourite technique, isn't it? Outside the yeah, it's, it's becoming a bit of a trademark after the after the Livingston game. Uh, I, I thought he, he had a really good second half, and and again that was it was helped by having a bit more support. You know, you could see Newenhoff in particular was getting in more advanced positions. Grant and Forrest were getting on the ball more, and and as a, a consequence of that, you know, Shanklin was more engaged and and more involved in the game as well, uh, and he could add one or two, you know. He had one or two chances prior to the, the goal that he did score, but it's, it's a great finish. You know, there's no backlift. He's, he's, it's it's actually know, it's, a, it's what is it a Trevella, isn't it? Yes, that's what they call it these days. Uh, but it's like it, it is a great finish. Taking uh, charge in that lady. A Trevella, yeah. Well, there's a fucking Italian restaurant. It's yeah. outside. You know, you use oh, outside your boot to. <laughs> you want some <laughs> When the um, ball hits the net, but you've just made that up. The I no Scott back me up here. As far as I'm aware, that is what it's called. I'm going so outside of, of a foot shot. I, I would expect I would expect Mark not to be up to date with these things, but I'm disappointed. Travella is a homeopathic medicinal product used within the homeopathic <laughs> the tradition for the relief of symptoms of travel sickness, such the as travella. nausea, vomiting, dizziness, and headache. The, Come on, there's an article on the Manchester United website here. The Travella is a Portuguese term for the art of kicking the ball with the outside of your boot, using the smaller tools to produce curl and swerve. Indeed, some Brazilians call it toes. Dos tres dedos, <laughs> meaning with three it's toes. Make countertops from. Not having that Travella. It's a thing. Yeah, the you dive it was Ricardo Quaresma that made it a, a bit of a trend or a a technique. And that's where the the name comes. Well, from. That's where it started. Never heard that before. Yeah, that's because you're. That's 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 because you're a defender. And if see if you're a striker, you would know Listen, that. Listen, my next goal might be a Travella. Little Travella, see, bad boy. If you'd said it doesn't count if it's on the line. I'm Travella or Travella, there's a difference. We play Roscoe. If I score, <laughs> a Travella. Between now and the end of the season, we need to come up with a forfeit. Oh, what for who? For you three goats. I'm on your side. Travella. So Travella. what? So you have to score a Travella. Travella. Um, but does it, you does it, is it going to be from within within a certain yardage? No, 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 no. I mean, I feel like to count. I mean, you're you're meant to be using the outside of your boot to get swerve on it. If you're six <laughs> yards out, I mean, how much swerve are you getting on the ball? Travella. Yeah, someone asked me what my goal was, and I said I wasn't sure at the weekend if it the ball touched the net. That's how slow the ball was. When I saw and the I first still... clip of it, I wasn't even <laughs> sure which part of your body you scored with, to be honest. Oh. Listen, it's hard to it's hard to explain to guys that like if if Big Shanks was on, he would understand. Getting in the right position is half the battle. You know, just having that sense of where the ball is. Is this drop. you speaking striker to striker? Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, if you just know you can just you can just smell where the ball's listen. I said it on Instagram. It's not great. I don't look gracious doing it, but it works. Baseballs. Did Vargas not try a Travella after that? And yeah, it got it all work. right. That's no. what happened if Ryan McGowan tried it. Yeah. I'd hit it with my big bunion and it would go out for a throw-in. <laughs> everyone would be like, what's he doing? Which you'd try and take and steal a couple of yards and then realise it's to the opposition. <laughs> does Ryan, does uh, Shankland have an air... 
of Scatchel about him just now is even when he's having he has plenty of games where he's not quiet, but this was one of the games where he overall he didn't have a whole lot of impact in it, but still when that little half chance appeared, he still just managed to pick out a wonderful goal. Uh yeah, most definitely. You know, I I think probably the last time I was on the podcast we were talking about is this the closest kind of figure that you've had to him and I think definitely he's answered that. You know, you're more shocked if you look at games and he's not scored compared to scored, and it's been a long, long time since that's been able to say that about a Hearts player. So, um, yeah, he's just a man in real good form. He's also a quality footballer. I think like what Scott said, sometimes if he's not scoring goals, it's like his all-round hold-up play, build-up play. He's just... Even this season, playing against him, you just know he's he's a real high quality, intelligent footballer in terms of the positions he gets in, the way he can maneuver the ball. Um, you know, he always looks like he's got a lot of time, or that he's not a defender's not that close. But trust me, everyone wants to get close to him. It's just you know, he can take that first touch away from you. He can he he just has that little bit of everything. So, um, and it, yeah, he's just in. You can tell that he really enjoys being at the club. I think that's glaringly obvious. You know, it's not all about him. You see sometimes strikers when they're you know chasing goals or doing stuff. If they've, you know, I think there was a clip after missing the weekend, and he's like, "Thank fuck!" It's like the team scored and they've won. It's it's all about the team. It's all about okay. Of course, he can chip in with goals and and help the team win. But I'm pretty sure if you know you had to say to him between now and the end of the season, you don't score again, but. You know, Hart's gone to finish third and do well. He'll be pretty happy with that, and I think that's why he's so well liked. You know, not even amongst the supporters, but the players. You can always tell when a player is really well liked, and um, yeah, I think he's just if you get something sorted out for him, that would be you know one of the best bits of business Hearts have done in for for as long as I can remember. A week on Wednesday, by the way, St Johnston Hearts. Levine says to you. You want to man Mark Shankland? What do you do? How do you keep him quiet? I don't know. I'll probably be up front. Yeah, like, you know, I think when we played him the last time it was at Tynecastle, all he was kind of saying was, you know, if it looks like the ball is going to come in the box or if they get into the attacking half, one of you is fucking find Shankland and stay as close to him as you can but it's so easy to say because he's very good at positioning himself between two centre backs and you know, everyone goes oh how's he left unmarked it's because you know it happens so quickly that you know the cross might be coming in so if you're sort of marking the you know the side of if you're at the front post area for example and the ball's coming in from the left I'm more focused on the ball and trying to clear the ball the the guy behind me should be worrying about where Shanklin is, but then he can come across you. He can go. You can peel off to the back. If he peels off to the back, then you're thinking, right, my left back should be behind me. He should be picking up. He's just got that movement between sort of all the defenders, and always seems to find that space. But yeah, hopefully he doesn't say that to me um, next Wednesday because I feel like he's too. Cl- I think we also spoke about that. You can't exactly go man for man with him because he would just pull you out of areas and let somebody else go into that area so 
you have to kind of almost do it as a collective unit, but just make sure that, you know, everybody's fully focused that if he gets the ball, you're probably even talking now 20, it used to be only in the box. Now it's like 20, 25 yards out. Somebody has to be within touching distance of him and, and keep him away from the goals and, and make sure you put a bit of pressure on him. Well, Aberdeen couldn't get close enough to him on Saturday and it ended 2-0 to Hearts, put them 10 points clear in third place, 19 points now ahead of Aberdeen and yeah, loads of points ahead, but 16 ahead of Hibs as well. So um, looking very rosy around Tyne Castle just now. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, we've we've been chatting away, we're, we're into added time here, so we'll very quickly chat about Hearts next game. Maybe not the one after that, even though we've got Ryan on here, we don't want to put him on the spot about that one as he looks for revenge against the men in Maroon and tries to uh, Travella his way to a St. Johnson victory. We'll talk about Dundee against Hearts, which is what's next up. Dens Park, this weekend, Hearts unbeaten in eight, seven wins in one draw, and they've won four in a row away from home. Dundee off the back of a big 4-1 victory away to Livingston at the weekend, but that was their first win since mid-December. They've got two wins in their last nine, but they gave Hearts a fright last time, 2-0 up at Tyne Castle, and they did defeat the men in Maroon at Dens Park in August. We've had goals in this fixture down the years recently. Both teams have scored in six of the last eight meetings, and the last nil-nil was in 2001. Hopefully, I've not jinxed this one. So, Mark, what, what, what are you thinking? Is this going to be a case of heart sticking with that 4-2-3-1? Because it's how they started Ooh. against Aberdeen, and it's it's what worked in the second half against mm. Dundee. But I don't, yeah. defensively, would it leave us a bit more open? It's a good question, because I, I don't want us to worry overly about them because I want them to worry about us. So we've been saying over the past two or three episodes about picking a formation now that we've kind of seen, okay, we can play both. I I watched the highlights of their game at Livy and was impressed. Um, now, the fact that Luke McCowan, I think Scott had said that the game at Tynecastle had certainly changed a little bit when he went off um, in the recent 3-2. So the fact that he was sent off... Mm. Um, He'll miss the Aberdeen game, won't he? Um, and be available for the Hearts game because they play they play tomorrow night, Tuesday. Is that right? So he'll he'll be available yeah. for Hearts. Uh as far as I'm aware, that would, I would be think the case. Because so. it was two yellows. It was two yellows at least. Yes. So he'll be suspended for Aberdeen and be back for, for the Hearts game. Yeah, like will we have any new new signings then? I mean, it's we're we're previewing a game on the 3rd of February when the transfer window's closed. So we're recording, what, on the Monday? There's still two or three days to go. Jan Danda, probably unlikely we pay money for him, but I'm sure we'll test their resolve to see if they'd rather have some money than than no money. Um, I'm led to believe they want between 100 and 150 for, for Jan Danda if we want him now. Are we prepared to pay that? Scott what, Fraser? Will, will the other thing be not necessarily just the fee, but when he signs on a pre-contract, there is no sell-on. If we buy him this month, I am sure Ross County will probably want to put a sell-on. Because well, I think we tried to do... Did, did we not try to do something similar with, with that's Suter? That's interesting. 
Hmm. There's a football manager coming back, isn't it? Oh, I was going <laughs> to... Is that well, what well, I mean, it's not just because you're playing real manager, but Ross County, if they sell them now, we'll want to sell them. Well, they can ask for what they want. I mean, you can, we can tell them to go and do one if we want. I mean, we're not well, desperate we for them right now. I just do just another thing to consider. That's all. Yeah. Jesus, okay. honestly. I always get so much stick on here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think you've you've got the man along with us, um, Scott McIntosh, that's that's big into his tactics and his and his formations. I would I don't know what I would, what I would do. Anybody back from injury or anything like that? Uh, I don't know. Scotty, what are you what are you gonna do here at Dens? I'd be tempted to stick to the four. Uh, I, look, there's there's a lot to admire about Dundee this season. They're they're certainly played well. They've recruited really well. I'd say that yeah. them and Kilmarnock are probably the two sides of probably done the best business uh, over the last sort of six months. They'll have Owen Beck back, probably. Uh, he's due to sign again this evening or tomorrow. So, <clears throat> it's a difficult one. I think, you know, like you're saying, Mark, we might have one or two players in by then. I think a difference maker could be, you know, having Scott Fraser in the side. I think what we lack just now is someone who is willing to sort of be available in the box and sort of assist Shankland. Uh, you know, there is certainly a, a lot of attributes that the likes of sort of George Grant and that bring to the team for that central area, but I think Fraser's possibly going to be more of a a sort of positive uh, in terms of that final third. And if we were to recruit him by then, then that obviously gives us a another sort of option to pick from. But I, w- I would probably stick with the 4 2 three, one. Uh, I'd potentially bring Vargas in for Oda uh, because I thought he showed up really well when he came on on Saturday. And I think the only the only sort of challenge or sticking point that we've got just now is everyone knows how many points were ahead of the chasing pack just now. Technically speaking, if we can maintain the home form that we've shown over the last sort of month or so, you could go into these away games and just pick up you know, if if you're picking up draws, they're going to be fine. I think there's a trouble though that that's a mentality that's, that that maybe some of the I wouldn't say that the players intend on having, but subconsciously you can sometimes go into matches thinking that way. I think that could be a bit of a, a sort of challenge for us over the coming weeks if that gap remains. Is you know how much intent we show especially from the off or again as we've discussed over the past few weeks there will remain to be a bit of a, a reactive team and sort of wait and see what the the other team have got to offer i'm i'm feeling good about this one and i'm i'm just disappointed that i tried to be too smart last time because i said 2-0 hearts no i'm going to give you that I'm and i said shanklin will score but then i said he will I, score both so i was no, just going doesn't matter I'm giving you that too much. Now you're being you're being very nice to me tonight. What's going on? Just what do you want? What are you after? In, something in the pipeline. Okay. Me and Gowser and and Macintosh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're cooking up something. I'm I'm feeling good about this, which everyone's probably groaning, saying, "Oh, here we go. That's not a good sign." I'm going to go three-one hearts. Oh Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Just just mm. going for it. Another a second game in a row. We're going to win by two. Two clear goals. I've used up my Shanklin, so I'm, I'm going to say George Grant's going to score again. I thought he was really good against Aberdeen. What you realise 
you realise we haven't scored three goals away from home for a year, over a year since Easter Road? Yeah, I don't care. You realise we haven't scored three goals in the league since we beat a team called St Johnston in December 2022 when Ryan McGowan was replaced after 70 minutes by David Witherspoon. I don't care. Okay. Okay. What what are you saying? 3-0. I'm going to go (laughs) before all Henry Smith to miss a penalty. I am going to go. I think Hearts will win this one by two goals to one. And I'm sticking on my strength. My one additional goal is this makes it ludicrous. Yeah, but we don't (laughs) score three goals away from home. Well, we're going to. And I can't wait to. We're going to score three Travellas. No, we're not. Uh, Travellas, it's it's Italian for drill. It's like a term of cavatappi pasta as well. Just not Travellas. Scott, what are we going with? I'm going to say one each. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it'll oh. be a hard match. I think Saturday will be a, I think it'll be a hard game. And but I mean, we're in a position. I'm not wanting us to be drawn away from, but we're in a position where we can, where we can take those results and we can move on from them. Uh, but yeah, I think Dundee, Dundee impressed me last week, especially in the centre of the park. We've still got little tweaks and sort of changes that I think we still need to make over the coming weeks and months in certain areas as well. You know, we're far from the finished product and I think it'll be one all and I think it'll be Shankland with a goal. Are we taking four points from our next two games? If offered right now? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I would. Geyser, would you? <laughs> St. Johnson would take four points for the next two games, yeah. Yeah, take a draw against Hearts, win at the weekend. So, right, Ryan, okay, I'm going to ask you then, your your prediction for Ross County against St. Johnston. You like a goal there? Yeah, I do. As in you've scored once, I think. More than any of us. One in in five, probably. I think I've played there five or six times, so one in six is not bad. Ground I like. Uh, I think we'll win at the weekend. Okay. So I'm going to go that we win 2-0. You're okay. going to score? A Travella. <laughs> and then in, in reality, who's going to score? Uh, you can't you can't you, you can nominate yourself if you think you are. That's well, who's the, who's the new boy that scored against whoever the hell you were playing at the weekend? No, it was you. Who's the new boy that scored against Aberdeen? Aberdeen. Uh, David. Oh, it's yeah. Israeli boy. Kelchins. Yeah. Kelchins. Any good? Yeah, he's right. Steady. What about steady is your is your is your um your new big striker gonna score? What's his name? Uh boy came off the bench. Kimpulka. Kimpulka is it? Benji. Benji. He's not he's not that big. He's fast. He's fast. Boy Benji's quick. Um yeah, I would I would like him coming on last twenty minutes. Um, little ball over the top, maybe a Travella over the top to put him in. You're obsessed now. Um, right, you've started done, sir. Okay. But yeah. So, I hope. I think. I do think we'll win. Two 0 um, Saints. I, so who's your final pick for the goal scorer? Is it McGowan? Is Saints. it Kim Peel? Uh, I'll go Clark. Go Clark. And I okay. think Hearts will win two one. And I hope Shanks doesn't score because I've got him in my sights. 
Well, if, if you he, catch him, if Shankle scores, if, if Shankle <laughs> scores against um, Dundee, that would level Scatchel's total. So he could then go past it with a nice goal through the legs of Ryan McGowan. Sweet. Oh, from the penalty spot again. Oh, After yeah, George Grant scored two penalties, we, and then a handball hand by McGowan. Ryan, yeah. We Grant gives him the ball. See, right, Lawrence, see. you take it. We're three nil up. You, you take this penalty, son. Right. Well, it's been a, a wonderful episode to have the prolific Ryan McGowan back on after continuing his career average of uh, well, about one goal a season. Well, we've got two now. Yeah, oh, but you I have now. So you're counting the League Cup. Well, yeah, now that it's a thing, it's two goals. It's a thing. And we've 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 told him about a new technique which he'll be perfecting in training. And I'm you sure Craig Levine will be delighted when he tries that and it hits the corner flag. All of his arse. <laughs> there has to be something that if I score a Travella between now and the end of the season, something has to happen. If you a score a Travella, then I will... Well, I don't know. What, what do you think? What should the forfeit be? Be nice to Ryan for once. I no, will... No, no, no. I will... I will go to commentary wearing a Ryan McGowan St. Johnston shirt. <gasps> yes. The next game after it, if you score a Travella, I will. That's what I'll do. There you go. How about that? There you go. Yeah, happy. I'm gonna never this regret not, that because it's not, not going to end well. It's not going to end well. He's going to fall What's 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 Ryan's forfeit then? If he doesn't if score, if, if, if you score. don't score a Travella. <laughs> There must take be a time on this. Take us for a day out in Edinburgh once the season's finished. We'll go to okay. all these Italian restaurants and ask for a Travello <laughs> and see what they dish up. <laughs> Portuguese. <laughs> right, okay. It's, by the way, are you, are you paying airfares as well for, for those not in Scotland to oh, come? Oh, yeah, to there we go. Now, now it's a real oh, now it's a real forfeit. Aye. That's a big forfeit considering I'm above my average already. Travella. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Um, or if ride. the Travella makes the highlights, should be the deal. Okay. If I try a Travella and the keeper saves it and it makes sports scene highlights, you have to wear. Hmm. I'll think about a sub forfeit. That's that, That's not the full thing. You score with one. Time. You can't just try it and yeah. it just drifts into the keeper's arms right. and you're like, well anyway. done, sir. Right, guys. It's time to go. Thank you very much, Ryan, Mark, Scott. Um, we'll be back next time, hopefully talking about a, a marvellous Shanklin Travella two in a row, and maybe Ryan even tries one. You never know. Until Ravonna. next time, goodbye. Pescatella. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and when the stars make you drool Just like a pasta fazool That's amore When you dance down the street With a cloud at your feet You're in love 
you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, Signore. Scusa me, but you see, back in old Napoli, that's more. Than 